0: You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton, and I'm a psychologist, been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps, and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. As always, I got a mixed response to last week's podcast episode when I talked about one of my earlier client's adventures that led him from Dublin in Ireland to a brand new life the other side of the world in New Zealand. Some people felt inspired by the story. Some people told me that it exactly mirrored their experience of their adventure quite a number of people said that there were a number of elements to the story that felt unrealistic. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting word for starters? Let's deal with that word before we go any further. Because if you recollect last week's story, it was about somebody who had written the perfect moment, whose perfect moment came to pass. When I asked people to write perfect moments and you know what perfect moments are it's how we set our mind so that we allow our doing mind do what it does best so that we end up doing what we need to do to get to where we want to go that is why we write perfect moments they are where we want to go when i ask people what they would put into a perfect moment or the manner in which i initially normally ask the question is in an ideal world What kind of experiences would you want in your life? People immediately take issue with the word ideal because they believe it to be unrealistic. Ideal covers a multitude, or it is the exact opposite of a multitude. For example, over the course of a number of conversations with clients over the last year or two, people who having delved deep into what's realistic and what's unrealistic, realize that, first of all, it is a construct of thought. One man's or one woman's realism is another man or woman's unrealism. It depends on our belief system. And as we know from previous conversations, our belief system simply based on the psychological snapshots that we took made an impression on us when we were young and impressionable. The snapshots that we carry around with us as programs used by our autopilot in later life to enable us, if we're using our minds normally, make it through the day. Some of the people with whom I've talked over the years, having delved into the whole realistic, unrealistic concept, because that's all it is, when they get deep, they actually have explored whether they are deserving or undeserving, because that is actually a subset of the realistic, unrealistic debate that we have with ourselves. And because of the way the education system works, particularly in the Western world, and because of the way we are encouraged to better ourselves, even the personal growth industry, the personal development industry, the self-help industry, all of those are based on the premise that we need to improve ourselves. The corollary to that is that if we need to improve ourselves, we must be undeserving in the first place because we are in need of improvement. Uh, the education system in particular, is all about bettering yourself. Now, we could have a whole debate on the rights and wrongs of that, but the key point I want to make here is that before you started taking psychological snapshots that made you feel less than you actually are, that happened, as we know, back in particular the third year of your life, before that happened, you were something of a blank slate. Now, there's no such thing as a complete blank slate, but you were a blank slate that took on psychological snapshots that were biased towards the negative rather than the positive from a survival point of view. And therefore you had an impression of yourself or were given an impression of yourself that you are less than you actually are. This gives rise to feelings of undeservedness or unworthiness. And it gives rise to the idea that things that most people don't have must be unrealistic. It's all nonsense, of course, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, because you create the kind of life that you believe you are entitled to, the kind of life that you believe you can have. Now, the key word in those two sentences is believe or believe. Our beliefs are as I said a minute ago, nothing more than hardened core psychological snapshots in our subconscious mind from our childhood. That is what your belief system is comprised of. As we know from previous conversations in relation to how we set our minds to achieve those perfect moments that I've referred to over and over again, we know that we can give ourselves new beliefs by taking new psychological snapshots in a way that will enable our doing mind to do what it does best. Do just what we need to do to get to where we want to go. So a number of people said to me that the story in last week's episode sounded unrealistic. They particularly took issue with the idea that a sign had been given to the couple in question that moved them in the right direction. Furthermore, they actually said that, you know, people going around looking for signs is kind of, (laughs) to to, to quote a friend of mine in Tucson, Arizona, it's kind of woo-woo, it's kind of way out there stuff. People don't go around looking for signs. Or people who do go around looking for signs are people who are are, kind of believe in something other than their own ability to move forward in their lives. As human beings, having evolved in a particular way, we are always looking for signs. 96% of people won't be aware that they're looking for signs for the simple reason that 96% of people... Are not aware. Full stop. Well we are looking for signs all the time and we express it in particular ways in our ordinary everyday language. Even normal crazy people do. They talk about something that feels right or something that feels wrong. Now that feeling is based on accumulated information. And unfortunately for normal crazy people, that accumulated information has been coloured, filtered and biased by their own belief system based on the psychological snapshots that they took when they were young and impressionable. So they're never going to know really what feels right or what feels wrong. They're always analysing from a set way of thinking that was cast in stone around the time of 12 or 13 years of age. They've been thinking the same way ever since. We've talked about the research from the Neural Lab in UCLA in California in relation to that before. But we're always looking for science. Should I do this? Should I do that? What makes this sound that it is something I should do? What makes it feel that it is something that I shouldn't do? Most people not express it in the way in which I expressed it, or in fact, the way in which my client's wife expressed it in last week's story. I need a sign. But we're looking for signs all of the time. Otherwise we would just sit in our little ivory towers and make decisions based on God knows what. Now I know we've talked about gut instinct before, but as I'll explain in a moment, our gut instinct is actually driven by science, known as synchronicities. The second point that people had in relation to signs was that it was uh, it sounded fantastic that my friend should go into his office the following day, and on top of the pile of CVs on his desk was the CV of the woman whose job he had been offered to the other side of the world, who wanted to come back to Ireland to raise her children there. People said it sounded fantastic. Something like that doesn't happen. or, Or actually, a couple of people said to me, nothing like that ever happens. Or perhaps what they actually meant to say was, nothing like that has ever happened to me. There are signs all around us, all of the time, whether or not we are actually looking for them. They're called opportunities. Let me digress for a moment, but it's an important digression. I want to talk very briefly about one of the individuals who was, oh, almost one of the first people to buy the online program, Psychology of Success, back in early 2019. The individual in question, on his very first Zoom conversation with program owners, get together every second Wednesday to hammer things out and help each other along. On his very first Zoom conversation as an online program owner, he said that one of his goals was to move into a different business or to buy another business. Because the business that he had owned for a number of years, he just wasn't fit for it anymore because there was a physical element to it. And this guy in his 50s decided that he didn't want to do that anymore. He wanted to buy another business that he could get his teeth into, that he could enjoy, and that would provide him with a source of revenue moving forward for the following maybe five or ten years. And he made the point on that call that there were no business opportunities around. He'd been looking for a couple of years before he joined the online programme and found nothing. Two weeks later, on his second Zoom call, He said that after starting the online program and the early stages of the online program are all about how the normal mind evolved and how it actually works in everyday practice as a means of enabling us to make it through the day. After realizing how his mind actually worked on a normal basis, in five days between his first Zoom conversation and his second Zoom conversation two weeks later, In five working days, he had come across five opportunities. Now the opportunities were there all the time. What had happened was he had begun to notice opportunity because unlike the 96% of people that I mentioned a few minutes ago, he was becoming aware. Let's go back to my friend in last week's story. Where the morning after, his wife said to him, I need a sign so that we can make the right decision with regard to the opportunity that has been presented to us to move from Dublin to New Zealand. I need a sign that will say to me, no, you shouldn't do this, or yes, you should do this. The morning after she said that to him, he went into work, and as you will remember from last week's story, right on top of the pile, of CVs on his desk in his office was the CV of a woman who was the incumbent in the job that had been offered to him the other side of the world. That CV would probably already have been sitting on his desk regardless of whether or not his wife had asked for a sign. The sign was there already is the point I am making. His awareness enabled him to notice the sign. That awareness had been piqued by the conversation that he had had with his wife the previous night. But more importantly, it had been turned on as a result of the perfect moment he had written, because his doing mind had been given the coordinates of the kind of life that he wanted to live, the kind of life that he wanted to be full of the experiences he would love to have. And as a result of his meditation, he had ensured that his thinking mind had stepped out of the way of his doing mind. In other words, his awareness made him see, the CV, And understand what the CV meant in the context of his journey. We talked a few weeks ago about how synchronicities are opportunities which abound, that are recognized by the observer, the aware person as an opportunity that is for them in the context of the direction in which they want their life to go. This is a classic working example of that. The CV was there anyway. Neither he nor his wife made the person the other side of the world post a CV across 14,000 miles. The CV was sitting on the desk anyway. The fact was, though, that because he had given his mind the coordinates, and because they were allowing their doing mind seek out the signposts on their journey of life, he noticed it and appreciated it for what it was. The key point I'm making is, like my friend who spotted five business opportunities in five working days, opportunities... Abound. They are all over the place all of the time. But we don't see them because we have our eyes shut. Because we are burdened with a mind when we use it normally that will only enable us to make it through the day. It won't enable us take the steps along life's grand adventure to the kind of life that our heart desires. Our brain, when we use it normally, is simply not designed for that at all. Now before we move any further, I want to talk a little bit more about how my friend's awareness had been further piqued by his wife's suggestion that she needed a sign, or, to use the word I've just used a minute ago, a signpost. They'd had that conversation the previous night. They were of one mind. This is an issue for a lot of couples because over the 27 and a half years I've been doing this, I've met a lot of clients whose spouse or partner is not of the same mind. I recently had an email from an online program owner who asked me, what if your husband is a normal crazy person? How am I going to get through to him? In the same way, many years ago, I recollect a conversation with a client where the individual in question said to me that my wife ridicules my efforts to better myself, to develop my ability to understand who I am, to become aware and live the life, the kind of life that I would really love to live. My wife ridicules those efforts. We're often shackled to a normal crazy person. Indeed. If 96% of people in the world are unaware, in other words, their minds are ruling them because they're not in charge of their own state of mind. In other words, if 96% of people in this world are normal, crazy people, (laughs) there's a fairly high chance that you're living with one. Indeed, as we said a few months ago, there's a fairly high chance that you are one of them. But at least you've realised that you are one of them. And that is not the first step on the road to awareness. That is in itself awareness. But my friend a couple of weeks ago, the programme owner, who asked me, um, what do I do? Because I'm actually married to a normal crazy person. What do I say to him? My answer was that and we've talked about this so many times in these podcast episodes, we've talked about it just so many times, my answer was that your presence will rub off on him. Your presence of mind, the way in which your mood interacts with the other individual's mood, the way in which mood is known to be contagious, the way in which mood and intention is actually transmitted by our own coherent energy through photons of light. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Your presence of mind will alter the dynamic between you and your husband because you're now not a different person. You have rediscovered the real you or you are in the process of rediscovering the real you. That being the case, your husband, may well simply begin to become aware. I had a conversation a couple of years ago with a a client who had started working with me for business purposes. And after a couple of conversations, he told me that his wife had said something he considered a little curious to him over breakfast the previous Sunday. She had said to him, since you started talking to Willie Horton, you've become a nicer person. Now, what had actually happened was, his developing presence of mind had altered the dynamic between himself and his wife and she had noticed now she actually ascribed it to the conversations that he was having with me that's by the by because as i've said to people before i don't do anything i am a guy with the kind of signposts that i mentioned a couple of minutes ago my clients my online program owners follow the signposts but when you follow the signposts other people notice the difference in you but even that is only half the story because, as a result of you developing your awareness, you will obviously want your partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife to develop their awareness too. You obviously love them. You will say things to them that you wouldn't have imagined saying to them before you had begun to develop your awareness. As I've said before, people surprise, amaze, and to quote one particular programme owner, super surprised themselves as a result of their being present to the point where they say things that their thinking mind would have thought unimaginable for them to say. Now, I'm not talking about groundbreaking speeches or the Gettysburg Address or something like that. I'm simply talking about what we consider to be throwaway remarks, but which are, as a result of their being thrown out there, the cut and thrust of communication that we have with each other. And every word you say makes a difference. Every word you say makes a difference to the other person. And every word you say makes a difference to you as well. People often tell me that they are lonely or that they are their own worst enemy or, you know, there's a, whole, there's a plethora of things that people say to me uh, that does them down and i always say to them watch your tongue mind your language because your subconscious mind known in psychology as the constant observer is always listening and if you keep talking to yourself like that and if you keep hearing yourself talking like that it reconfirms the old psychological snapshots that have been doing you down all of your adult life watch your tongue now in the case of the story in last week's podcast the interesting thing is that in the few weeks after my client had been betrayed by his employer He had talked himself into something of a deep, dark depression. As we said last week, he had taken to lying in bed on a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning. He had talked himself into that way of feeling. But the interesting thing is that it was his wife, as they were on the same page, that actually spurred him into action by noticing another synchronicity. We're back to the key point that I want to make in this week's podcast. You will recollect in last week's story that whilst my friend was under the covers on a Saturday morning, probably approaching Saturday lunchtime, his wife came in to him and said to him, pull yourself together and get yourself out of bed and reply to this small ad. Now, it was a very small, two-line ad buried in the columns of the Irish Times appointments section that she had spotted. Most people will spot the big ads. Most people are attracted by the big, shiny objects. The big, shiny objects are not the opportunities. The opportunities come in small doses. I had a really interesting comment from an online program owner a few months ago in relation to opportunity. He said that as he had developed his presence of mind, as he had developed his awareness, his life was awash with opportunity. But he said, the opportunities don't slap you across the face. The opportunities don't ring at your front door. There's a quote from an online programme owner. He said, when you open your front door in the morning and step outside, the opportunities are on the gentle breeze of the day. It's the small stuff that matters. We've talked before about how there is no such thing as an insignificant now. Every now in your life, is potentially significant. Every now in your life potentially has an opportunity for you that you will not recognise if you're not present every now of your life. By recognise, I mean, first of all, become aware of the opportunity and then recognise whether it is an opportunity for you or not, or if I can put it a different way, whether it is an opportunity that is a synchronicity. signpost on your journey. There were two key elements to last week's story, the adventure that I told you about last week. One, I hammered home at the end of last week's podcast. Nothing just happened. The perfect moment didn't just come about. That's a phrase I used earlier on. It didn't just come about. Everything happened as a result of individual action by him and his wife at each step along the way. A man or a woman's got to do what a man or a woman has got to do. You don't believe in something and then do nothing about getting it. If you truly believe in something, you'll walk through walls to get it. But the interesting thing is that the walking through walls will feel effortless as a result of the way in which you've set your mind, and as a result of your presence of mind. We've talked about effortlessness as a scientific fact before. The other key takeaway from last week's story was that opportunity is happening us all of the time. Opportunity is on the gentle breeze of today for you. From moment to moment, these opportunities are arising. We're only aware of those opportunities that are presented to us if we are present in those moments to moments. But when we are aware, when we are present and when we know the trajectory of our lives in other words the direction in which we want our lives to go we will not only become aware of the abundance of opportunities presented to us today but we will be able to effortlessly sift through that abundance to spot the opportunities that are quote-unquote the sign that I need. The sign that you need to lead you forward on the adventure of your lifetime. So we're back, as always, to the need, the absolute imperative, for ensuring that you're on your game today. You can't play the ball that is at your feet today if you're not on your game. You need to ensure that you start your day in the right state of mind. You need to ensure that during the course of the day, you remind yourself to be in the right state of mind or, or check whether or not you are in the right state of mind, which is reminder enough. And you need to have set your mind to know what you want to get out of this now, this next hour, up to lunchtime today what you want to get out of this day, this week, this month, this year, this life of yours. Because this adventure, your life, is an adventure of your own creation. And it is an adventure, as a result of your own creation, that is enjoyed through your presence in this life which is entirely up to you. Great. We'll talk again next week. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough, called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www. We need Dash.